I'm Cahal Summers. And I'm Georgia Lane. You're Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability. On this episode, we travelled to Chagas Moor Park 2021 Open Day, held over a three-day period from the 14th to the 16th of September. We paid a visit to the Signpost Village to have a chat to farmers, scientists, students and advisors to see what challenges we are facing and how we plan to tackle them. We hear a lot about methane and carbon, but how are they measured? Is clover a game changer in helping to solve our nitrogen issues? And what exactly is the Chagas Smack Curve? Dr. Tom O'Dwyer, head of the Signpost Programme, chats us about the programme's goals and ambitions, and also hear about the environmental research going on in Chagas Johnson Castle. The Signpost Programme is a, a new national initiative led by Chagas, but involving uh, almost 50 partner organisations from the agricultural sector. And what the programme has been set up to do is to uh, lead and support uh, all Irish farmers to reduce uh, emissions from agriculture, number one, and secondly, to also farm more sustainably. So we're, you know, we're also going to be helping them to reduce nutrient loss to water, to enhance biodiversity, and also to uh, improve their income. But first and foremost, the programme is about helping farmers to reduce emissions. Um, Tom, could you tell us a little bit about some of the actions that are going to be put in place to reduce greenhouse gas emissions? Okay, so um, research has been conducted by Chagas to date has identified a number of actions that farmers can take to reduce emissions. Um, and I suppose in, in, you know, there's many different ways of ranking them or, or uh, listing them, I suppose. I'll, I'll maybe start uh, by giving the one which I think is probably the easiest change for many farmers to make, which is to switch their source of nitrogen from, protected, from uh, to protected urea. So in other words, not to spread calcium ammonium nitrate or unprotected urea, but to use protected urea, and that will reduce emissions. Um, we also can look at incorporating clover into our grassland swards. Many years research showing that uh, we can reduce chemical fertilizer nitrogen applications once we have clover in the sward. The third thing then is having, having incorporated the clover, we, we, we can reduce chemical nitrogen fertilizer. That's a third action. I probably should have listed this one sooner, but uh, farmers need to look at their PK uh, levels, P and K levels in the soil and also their soil pH because if your soil is working for you you won't have to spread as much chemical fertilizer and you still grow as much grass. Uh, after that we have improving herd EBI so improve, improve herd EBI we've got a more efficient cow so we can produce the same amount of milk solids on the farm with slightly reduced number of cows. Um, so that's improved EBI um, and the other one then the final one I'll mention is the whole area of we, you know, we, I suppose you could call it biodiversity and including that maybe some hedgerow management, including that maybe some small areas of woodland on the farm. And if we're doing that, uh, we'll see that uh, we're, we should be able to store more uh, carbon in the hedgerows and in the trees. So there are six of the main actions that we will be recommending with farmers. Other actions will uh, emerge over time, so new research uh, will come up with new solutions. So perhaps maybe research will have a solution to or an answer for the amount of carbon that's stored in our soils. Might also come up with an answer for reducing methane. We'll have to wait and see. They're the ones that farmers can get on with at the moment. Perfect. You must be delighted today as well with all the crowds coming to visit the Signpost Village. Yes, it's, it's uh, very interesting to talk to farmers and to hear what their experiences are of um, trying to move to more sustainable farming systems. My experience is, is that most farmers want to do the right thing 
secondly, that uh, they want to they, they want to do the right thing. Number one. Number two, they want to know what steps they should take. So they want to be more sustainable, but they're not quite sure what the steps are. So we've gone through what some of the steps are. And I suppose the other thing is there's probably a requirement to help farmers make that change, to uh, enable farmers to um, make the decisions. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. Okay, we're now joined by um, Deirdre Hennessy, researcher with Chagask. Deirdre, your stand has proven extremely popular um, over the three days um, here at the Moor Park event. Can you tell us a little bit about the research work that you've done with clover plots here? Absolutely, Deirdre. So I've been working with clover for about 10 or 11 years now. Um, but here at Moor Park for the last uh, eight or nine years, we've been comparing uh, grass-only system getting 250 kilos of nitrogen with various clover combinations with nitrogen. So what we found over, over that time is that grass clover swards getting 150 kilos of nitrogen produce the same amount of herbage as grass-only getting 250 kilos of nitrogen. So you're saving 100 kilos there. But you're also getting a higher milk solids yield. So, you know, that's really good for your nitrogen use efficiency because you're exporting more nitrogen from the farm. Great. And do you think that clover buy-in with the farmers at the event or, you know, in general is improving? So I suppose a lot of farmers are a bit nervous about changing their system, which is understandable. But certainly at the event over the last uh, three days, I've seen very positive in terms of clover. And, you know, farmers can see the benefits of it. They believe that the results, you know, they're confident in the results. And the big question that has been for us is, OK, we know we need to put clover in. Tell us what to do. Tell us how to make this work. So we're here at the GHG Greenhouse Gas Mac Curve um, stand in the Moor Park show and we have Maeve O'Hagan here, Chagas Advisor. Can you tell me Maeve, what is the Mac Curve or what's it all about? So basically Cahal, the Mac Curve outlines how some of the realistic measures that we can take to reduce greenhouse gas emissions also can improve profitability on the farm. So in particular if we look at measures such as improving our dairy EBI or improving our nutrient use efficiency and extending our grazing season, we can reduce our greenhouse gas emissions while also improving our profitability. What would be two or three big things on that list on the Mac curve that a farmer could go home maybe tomorrow and try and take on board without too much of a change to the system? Absolutely. So a lot of these things a farmer might already have in place on the farm so I think it's just about weighing up how they're performing in each of these areas and seeing if there are particular areas then that they can make massive gains so in particular another one we have there is improving animal health so you can talk to your local uh, vet and see if you can put in an animal health plan into place speak to your advisor as well and then we can have a more profitable uh, a more profitable and healthy animal another thing we could look at as well is the fertilizer type so moving towards that protected urea means that we're going to reduce our nitrous oxide emissions and reduce our ammonia emissions as well without having to implement a massive change. Uh, and finally then we can also look at our low emission slurry spreading as well, making sure that we're using the dribble bar or trailing shoe, reducing those emissions and actually increasing the usage that we're getting out of the fertiliser value of the slurry. Great, thanks a million Maeve. No problem. I have John Leamy who's farming in County Waterford and he's just going to give us a little synopsis of what he's doing on his farm to improve water quality. Uh, hello Deidre. Um, I know it's just uh, we, we have 40 acres of ground down alongside the Blackwater and we also have Glenmore flowing into the Blackwater in around the same area 
and up to now we, we always had the cattle um, coming over and drinking out of the glen and uh, with the result we could only have one bunch of animals in the inch even though we had all different paddocks but they all had to come back through a field to drink out of the one water pint. So um, now I'm, I'm going to go with the solar water pump and I'm going to uh, install it and we're going to have we're going to drill water piping down um, from water truck to water truck we're going to put in about seven different water trucks and it's going to be laid you know, in all the different paddocks and it's going to improve our um, farm infrastructure we're going to basically gain a few acres because where the cattle were coming back through a paddock to get into the water will, no, will now be a, a lovely little paddock for calves or something and uh, I'll be able to divide the animals into the different groups if I was finishing cattle I can keep them separate and keep the replacement heifers so that they wouldn't be getting meal I don't want to be getting too fat so I'll be able to from a management point of view it's going to be a big advantage and uh, so, yeah look that's going to be happening in the next week or two just waiting for a contract to know. Um, John, is there anything that you've taken home today um, from the Moor Park event? Um, Ashford was very interesting. It was a great day out. I, it was great to see so many different stalls here. And um, no, it was very interesting at the, the ASAP stand over there, all the different um, soil types. And I know I have very dry ground. And uh, it's, it, it's particularly um, important that I go out spreading my nitrogen when there's growth there and when there isn't uh, a, a lot of rain in the forecast because there'd be a lot of leaching and a lot of uh, runoff possible as opposed to wet ground so um, I know you'll be learning a lot all right it's very interesting about the EBIs and, and, and all that and, and the clover swarts are very interesting all the different uh, percentages and everything really enjoy my day great stuff thank you now John's son Dara joins us just to have a little chat about his CBA that he did in second year um, on the Mac curve. So Dara, um, where did you hear about the Mac curve? Um, so I was at home one day and I just heard it from my dad. He was talking about it because he was onto his advisor about something, and I was doing my I was about to do my CBA one, and I decided I'd do it on that because I was interested, like to see what all what it was all about and stuff. Have you an interest in the farm at home, Dara? Yeah, I hopefully hope to go farming when I'm older on the farm. Okay, so you're in the right spot today in Moor Park. Did you enjoy looking around through the stands and what kind of stood out to you? What did you, you yeah. enjoy today? Uh, I, I thought it was very interesting, especially with the clover and Man. how the clover was like getting nitrogen out the air and putting it into the grass and just very good for the environment. Brilliant, good man. And Dad's soils at home are kind of um, sandy, loamy soils and probably yeah. a nitrate-sensitive area. So you'll be encouraging your dad to put clover in the swords now into the future, will you? Yeah. Good yeah. man, Dara. Brilliant. So I have Lillian O'Sullivan here, a researcher in Johnson Castle Chagas Research Centre. Lillian, what goes on, and we often heard about Johnson Castle, but what actually goes on in the research up there? What do you carry out up there? Okay, um, hi Carl. So yeah, I'm based in Johnstown Castle where essentially we have a whole um, research programme that focuses on sustainability. So uh, our programme encompasses the gaseous emissions, we have biodiversity, the whole area of water quality and now we have more and more um, research emerging in the whole area of biogas and biomethane. 
So um, in another setting, each of those could be worthy of a research centre in its own right. Um, the whole area of gaseous emissions is really coming to the fore as being particularly um, prominent and challenging in a big area where we need to try to rise to that challenge in terms of um, uh, developing and coming up with sustainable land management and land use strategies to be able to, to address some of these challenges. And John Sucasso is always really widely known throughout the years for its soil science up there. Yeah. And now we have gone full full circle on, on every aspect. So you have biodiversity, greenhouse gases, water quality, and you have soil health. Can you tell me a bit about your work there? Yeah, so um, me, myself, I'm very much focused on the whole area of sustainable soils and land use. Um, I know you recently actually completed a podcast uh, with Fiona Brennan in terms of soil health. And um, there is no, uh, anybody must admit it's an incredibly hot topic at this stage. We see for the first time now a mission in the area of soil health. Um, as you said, Johnstone um, Castle is uh, almost synonymous with soil research. Um, we've had decades of soil service. We recently completed the soil information system, which gives us a baseline in terms of the range of soils that we have in Ireland. But subsequent to that, we completed a project uh, called Square, the Soil Quality Assessment Research Project. And that was the first, I suppose, inventory or assessment that begins to let us start to understand where we are at in terms of the whole area of soil health. So from that, we have um, indicators uh, that show to be sufficiently sensitive uh, to be able to allow us to manage or track our soil health over time. So I, I suppose some of the outcomes from that, um, I mean, anecdotally, people would say our Irish soil is healthy. Certainly we can say, yeah, of course, if you think of organic matter in Irish soils compared to Mediterranean soils. But where are we at? In terms of those indicators, uh, we compared quite favorably to recommended ranges as it were but there are areas for improvement in terms of um, soils that are at risk of compaction but if we link it back to the metrics that are now being proposed as part of the soil mission um, to be able to characterise soil health, one of those is in the whole area of optimal soil fertility. And our research through Johnstown Castle shows us uh, that we are still way off having optimal um, soil fertility status. So we do know there's great areas uh, that can be improved on. Um, our colleagues like David Wall and others in Johnstown Castle who've been developing um, strategies uh, to improve in the whole area of nutrition, uh, nitrogen, or sorry, nutrient use efficiency, etc., over time. So, and one of my favourite outcomes of the Square Project is grass fest. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so I suppose uh, the whole area of visual soil assessments, VSAs, they have been around for a long time, uh, but mostly they have been developed within the context of an arable setting. So uh, people like Bruce Boyle in, in Scotland and others have, uh, or Lars Munkholm uh, in some of these Nordic countries and stuff, they've been using these visual soil assessments for a long time. But what we didn't have was actually a grass vest. So a vest that would allow us to assess soil structural quality in grassland soils. So that was a really nice outcome, as you say, uh, Carl, from the Square project, is we now have a flow chart that if we're a farmer, we can go out with the simplicity of a spade and assess using this flow chart or soil structural quality that's measured against the traffic light system that will allow us to track changes over time. Yeah, I can assure you farmers love to do it because they've often carried it out at farm level and it's an excellence. <laughs> Thank you very much, Lillian.
We are now joined by Michael Kennedy, who's a PhD student and Walsh scholar with Chagas Confista Milk. So everyone is familiar at the moment, Michael, um, with methane. Can you tell us a little bit how it's measured? So we have two methods of measuring methane here in Moorpark. We have a technique here known as the SF6, or the backpack technique, as some people are familiar with, where there's canisters on the back of the animal. And this technique involves measuring the emissions that are bred through the animal's mouth, and these gases are collected in the canisters. This technique has been used commonly in previous research trials, but it involves taking the canister off the animal's back each day, where the individual gases are measured in a lab. And this technique involves about a measurement period of five to seven days. However, we have now new technologies here in Moorpark with a new machine called the Greenfeed system. And the Greenfeed is basically <coughs> a system that stays with the cows in the paddock. And basically the cows, as they're grazing in the paddock, the machine will be placed in a roadway or a field beside them. And basically the cows are going to come in and are going to put their head into a feed trough where our electronic tag is reading which cow is in the machine. And as the tag is read, a fan will be engaged and the fan is going to start sucking in the air that the cow is breathing. And while this is happening, a small bit of concentrate is dispensed just to keep the animals inside the green feed to be measured. And while they're being measured, the air is being brought up through an air filter into a chimney where that air has been air sampled and it's been brought down to a non-dispersive infrared spectrometer that measures the concentrations of methane, CO2 and hydrogen. Uh, this technology has given us the ability to measure methane each day of the lactation, whereas the previous method for measuring methane known as SF6 was only allowing us to measure the methane for a five to seven day period. So this technology has allowed us to use measurement of about 40 cows. So in Moorpark, we currently have four of these machines measuring a total of 150 cows. So this data is giving us, I suppose, a profile of how much methane an Irish cow is producing off graze grass. Um, Michael, what are the key mitigation strategies that a farmer can employ um, you know, to attenuate meth methane? So I suppose some key mitigation strategies, I suppose we want to focus on what we're good at here in Moorpark, and that is, I suppose, grassland management, improving forage quality and genetics. So grassland management, I suppose, is grazing nice, good, digestible swards of covers of 1300, as these swards are very digestible. As well as that, these swards have good quality and they have excellent fibre fractions that are very digestible to the cow. And I suppose genetics plays a big role in that as well, where we're selecting for top EBI cows and we're already indirectly selecting for environmentally efficient animals through the EBI. And I suppose this is because we're selecting for cows that have better fertility, so we're increasing the longevity of these cows within the herd. As well as that, these cows have higher levels of milk production, so this will also improve the amount of methane we're producing on a per kilo of milk basis. Okay, so I have James Rambo here from Johnson Castle and he's going to tell me a little bit what he gets up to there in Johnson Castle. Okay, so um, look, for the last year or so now we've been setting up the National uh, Agricultural Soil Carbon Observatory, um, or NASCO for short, and what that's going to do is, is exactly what it says. We're going to try and create a, a, a carbon database for and carbon stocks throughout the country that we can then use to model you know, across the country. Um, we're combining physical sampling with the use of our state-of-the-art edicovariance towers, which is measuring carbon in the atmosphere constantly, 10 times a second. So um, we have, on the Signpost Farm Programme, we have 100 farms that we're going to be sampling throughout the country. In each of those farms, we're going to be sampling up to a maximum of 30 fields. Your standard agronomic sampling regime, we'll say, plus down to 30 centimetres. 
So when we're down to 30 centimeters, we'll retrieve that sample and split it into the top 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30 centimeters to see how carbon is sitting throughout that soil profile. All of that information then from, from those 100 farms will come back to the lab, get analyzed, and based on the results we get from that, we will go out in round two with five sites maybe selected per farm of particular interest. So we'll go back there, there we will dig pits, a meter, 1.2 meters deep, and we'll sample the horizon from top to bottom, and we'll be able to fully characterize the carbon stock within that soil profile. So we have that element of it, we'll have 100 farms which are dispersed throughout the country. Our eddy covariance towers then will be going on some of the farms, some of those signpost farms, and some of our Chagas research centres that we can kind of control, right? So they will be our controls, we can control exactly what happens there, but the ones on our signpost farms will be based on obviously the, the farmer's management at the time, or maybe a, a, a change in management, whatever. Um, so as I said, the, the physical uh, carbon sampling will, will give us a baseline. As we know, it takes a long time for carbon to change in the soil, especially when you're sequestering it, not so much when you're losing it, it loses it pretty fast. But certainly for sequ or sequestering it, it, it takes a long time. So I'd have to come back in 10, 15 years time to be able to give you uh, the next round of results. Well, this is how much it's changed by either up or down. The eddy covariance tower is giving you year on year estimates as to what has gone in and what has come out of the system so at the end of a year you have simple accounting one minus the other tells you you've sequestered x amount or you've lost x amount out of the system that compared to our, our physical you don't really know what's happened between year zero and year 15 you know there's a change but how did that change come about with the edicovariance towers you can see year on year say if you had a drought year for example on a mineral soil you would lose carbon typically in that scenario uh, if you had a particularly wet year, you know, you could sequester a little bit more than you would on a normal year. If you changed management style, so you had a ryegrass ward and you changed to multi-species, you could also notice a difference. Be that up or down, we hope, it's, it's obviously you're, you're sequestering more and certainly deeper with a multi-species ward. So yeah, that's, that's what we're up to so far. No, it sounds great, James. And tell us, uh, you mentioned that you have some uh, towers on different farms and signpost farms as well. Uh, are you looking at different enterprises or what yeah, ways? Yeah, so we a range of enterprises. So we have dairy, beef, sheep, crop, um, and then we're looking at, of course, extensive and intensive systems. Um, so yeah, we're we're trying to capture the whole range of of what exists, and then of course mineral soils and peatland soils. So we're not just targeting mineral soils. Yeah. So yeah. much greater data. Uh, to our fingertips so we can make better based management decisions going forward. Exactly and look as I said we'll use all that data the physical sampling combined with the with the data from the towers we we'll combine all of that and hopefully we'll be able to draw up uh, maps or what's the word I'm looking for M models models yeah. um, to be able to, to spread that across the country and see exactly what our national carbon either emission or sink is. That's great thanks a million James. No problem thank you. That's it for this episode of the Chagas Environment Edge podcast. Thanks to everyone for chatting to us at the Chagas Moor Park Open Day 2021. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Cahill Summers. And I'm Deirdre Lynn. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, Signpost to Farm Sustainability.